Welcome back, everybody, to the Innovative Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stickle. Back with me, as always, is Stephanie Hurd. Hello. And today we are joined by a couple special guests. Once again, a full house in here. Joining us is Bev Stitely, owner at Saunders Tax and Accounting, Inc. And with her is Stephen Stitely, who is her son, and he is the operations manager at Saunders Tax and Accounting, Inc. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before we get into it, do you just want to tell us a little bit about Saunders Tax and, and what you guys do? Oh, I always like to talk about Saunders Tax. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. So Saunders is, uh, will be celebrating its 40th year here in Washington County. Congratulations. Uh, by, thank wow. you. By the name Saunders Tax and Accounting, that's what we do. We deal with the numbers. Uh, so originally started by Nancy Saunders. And about 15 years ago, I'm dating myself a little bit, maybe closer to 18 years ago, I came to work for Saunders. I already had the background in taxes. And it was right at that time they were ready for a transition. So originally owned by Nancy, her husband, John, and her son, John. And the parents decided to sell the business to their son, who was a financial planner. And so he brought me on to manage the business for him. And then I bought half of the business from him. Uh, we were partners for several years. And then about six years ago, I bought the rest of the business from him. So now I own it 100%. Now, my proudest thing out of this whole story is Nancy Saunders still comes back every tax season and works for us Aww. doing taxes. She can't give it up. This past year was her 50th year doing taxes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. so we, got, we got quite a history there. So that's what we do. We take care of this number of things for people doing the, the tax returns, uh, individuals' businesses. We do the bookkeeping work for businesses, payroll. Uh, we do some coaching with business owners, such as in Profit First, how to handle cash flow management in the business, um, and just working on their business, setting their goals, and helping them see how their numbers can help them reach their goals. Awesome. And Stephen, you joined the team so, just a few years ago, right? So I came in full-time about three years ago. I did some contract work before then. Um, came in originally just to do client services things, um, and then moved up to operations manager. So my job is really to make sure that everyone else in the business has the tools they need to do their job. So making sure our tech is lined up, working on policy procedures, and then backing them up and supporting them as best I can. Awesome. Doing a little bit of the dirty work there. Yes. Making sure people got what they need, people are doing well. That's awesome. That, work, that works out really well. So we also have Kathy Farr, who is our accounting manager. So she makes sure all those books are taken care of with her accounting staff. And then Tanja Halp, she's the tax manager. So she's manning that team that prepares the tax returns. Nice. Well, shout out to all of them. Glad yeah, they got yeah. a little mention here. Great team. Um, Bev, I wanted to start with you. I wanted to ask about that transition. So you went from managing partner to owner in 2018. Do you want to tell us about that transition, how it went? Were there any unexpected challenges in that change? Well, well, in that change, there really was not any unexpected challenges. The great thing with my partnership with John is we didn't let John have a desk in the office. So it, it really was that he let me have full control of the day-to-day -day operations. And then uh, he was just there for the big decisions like, you know, do we get a business loan or do we do this, make this big change, offer a new service or something. So it was great support in that. And so, uh, and we have actually stayed very close. His wife, Stephanie, has been my marketing manager from way back when, from when we originally started. She was doing it before I came into the business. And, and they have now moved to Tennessee and she still does that remote for me and is just such a great asset because she knows the business. And doing nice. it. But the, the transition over was very easy in that the core team that I have has been with me that long. They, uh, Kathy and Tanja uh, have been with me that long manning things and just taking care of how things go. So it has allowed us to 
look at other services that business owners need and be able to go ahead and start developing some of those things. So having that consistency there, I mean, just alleviated so many issues that that could arise in some some situations, but obviously didn't there because you have your people and you know they're going to be able to do their job. They know what's going on. Yeah. And, and we have that wonderful mix. So I have this core team. So during tax season, there's about 25 employees in the office uh, going around. After tax season, we're down to 12 to 14 now, because we hire some people just seasonally to do tax returns. Now, saying some of the seasonal people, they come back year after year. It just right. fits their lifestyle to do that. But then there'll be other people that two, two or three years, and then life changes for them, then that seasonal job doesn't work anymore. So we have that nice mix of a core solid group that's been around for a long time, but is very welcoming and open to those new people coming in that are just learning it. They seem to always remember what it was like to be new in the job nice. and just keep things going. Nice, because <laughs> a new job can definitely be very terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and that's such a test. I mean, we talk about on the show all the time, like right people, right seats. You have to get the right people, right seats make all the difference. It frees you up as an owner and as a leader to go. And like you said, look at what other services do our clients need? How can we, how can we expand? How can we do more? That's great. Yeah. So we're really looking at a different tr transition right now. Me, Kathy and Tanja, which have been there forever, are heading that age of retirement that we need to start looking at that next generation, that next person in. So th that's really our next challenge that comes to us is, is getting the right next people into the seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you, Stephen, about your transition to where you are now. Mm -hmm. So before you were at Saunders, you were living and working in Hawaii yes. as a hospital chaplain, yep. which is seems very drastically different than what you're doing right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so had been doing that for about seven years. Um, I guess when Bev was talking about buying the business, we started had some conversations about succession and who would take over when she was ready to retire, which I know she alluded to, but I think we still got another 15 or 20 years before she really wants to stop <laughs> doing stuff in the business. Um, and I expressed some interest in it. And so she encouraged me to go take some tax classes, work for Jackson Hewitt, figure out if I like taxes. Um, at the same time, I went and got my MBA um, because my previous degree was a master's of divinity. And well, I learned a lot there. <laughs> it's probably not what someone wants to see on their tax return with my signature. Um, <laughs> And so I had done both of those things. Um, and then we made the decision, my wife and I, to move back to Hagerstown in the summer of 2020, which was a great time to be traveling and transitioning, um, and came in and was really intentional that we come into the business in the summer because that is our slow season. And so it gave me time to get up to speed. To I had never worked out of the office. So yes, I knew how to do a basic tax return, but I didn't know the office flow at Saunders. Um, and really, it was just a very different lifestyle flow for me. Um, was no longer on call in the evenings. The emotional weight of the work I was dealing with is very different day in and day out. Um, but then I was also working with my mother and figuring out that <laughs> relationship. Uh, went from working in a hospital with several hundred employees to a staff of, at that point, I think we had 10 full-time right. people on, and I was the only male on staff. And I was the youngest person on staff by quite a few years. So kind of figuring out those dynamics, which I think we've, for the most part, figured them out fairly well. Um, I'm also no longer the only male or youngest person on staff, which has been sure. nice as well. Um, <laughs> but also figuring out what strengths I could bring to the business. Um, I knew I could do a tax return. I knew I was fairly good after the MBA of like the business processes and business plans and things like that. But where would I fit in at Saunders um, and was really doing client services stuff for the most part, just because that's where our gaps were. Um, and then we figured out that networking was something I could do very well because I did have that like to talk, talk to people, could make connections with the community. 
and 2020 wasn't the best year for trying to network, uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah. we eventually have developed that. And that's a big part of my role now is business development and reaching out for that. Nice. Um, and then we also figured out that as a small business owner, Bev had too much on her plate. Um, and so what could be offloaded, that was those operations things. Why does Bev need to sit with the copier company representative? I can do that. <laughs> Why does she need to worry about what phone service we're using or how our network is set up or things along those lines? When she gave me her parameters for what we needed, I could take care of executing the rest of that. And so she's been able to offload some of that so she can focus on those things that she brings of the business coaching and her knowledge and sharing that with clients and really developing her relationships with clients. I know um, around that time, and I'll give a shout out to a previous episode when we had uh, Tara B and Tara Sargent from Leadership Washington County on the show. Um, And you also graduated through Leadership Washington County program, I think around that time. Um, So I would have started that that next summer. So we came back in 2020 with done leadership in 21. Great. Can you talk a little bit about the role that that program played in, you know, opening these opportunities? Absolutely. Um, So I had moved away from Hagerstown the day after graduating high school and had not been back for more than a month (laughs) or so at a time. Um, And so just any relationships I had, had just kind of atrophied outside of my family. And while I love my relationships with my family, they're not my client base. Um, and so knew I needed to get reconnected with the community um, and had heard great things about Leadership Washington County and just re- and really went into it thinking it was a big networking opportunity. And it is, it is, but it's so much more than that is what I gained out of it. Um, so I learned so much about the community that I didn't know. Um, I realized I very much was a resident of one section of the county and there was so much more of the county that I had no idea about. Never spent any time in Hancock, never really spent any time and the Smithsburg had never been to Fort Ritchie. Like, so learning about those places, learning about the needs of the community, that's very different, um, but also learning about the people that are really interested in making the community better. Um, so I'm sure every graduate says this, but I was part of the best class ever, um, <laughs> class 35, but I really have a strong cohort still of people I talk mm-hmm. to on a weekly basis. Um, but even more so, I'm now part of a strong graduate network. I know we go to the mm-hmm. Brew Crew talk. Um, there is someone I know or someone I know who knows someone in any area we have a question about or something we want to work on or a place we think we can help out. Um, so whether it's talking with United Way about their VITA program and providing some insight on tax preparation for those who can't afford it. Um, we are proud sponsors of the Discovery Station as well as the local rescue mission. And being able to connect those things with um, others and tying those two things together, it's just been a really great program. It was a really great benefit. It's fantastic. I love anytime we get to tie previous episodes together and kind of, um, I think this show is spotlighting how all of those. It's like the, um, it's the innovative, woven, innovative yeah. cinematic universe. Yeah. If you <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, to jump back to a, a point you made where you said it, it seemed like Bev had too much on her plate. And we've had conversations in the past on this show about people in a similar position to you. Namely, one of them is walking in the background right now, making faces at me. <laughs> Our CEO and founder, uh, Jason Rappaport, talked about how uh, there was a certain point here at Innovative where the company grew and it, he couldn't be the leader he needed to be until he started to you know, get the right people in the right seats who he trusted to handle these big responsibilities. Um, do you want to talk about uh, just handing off some of those responsibilities to to Stephen? Yes. I mean, that has been one of the 
best things about Stephen coming into the business. Um, and, and it truly is. You get so much on your plate. And, and, and part of the problem with that person having so much on the plate is they become the bottleneck of the business. And we talk a lot of that at Saunders because although Stephen has taken some things, there are still some things where it bottlenecks at me. And so that has been one of the things that we're working on this year and to have in place by the end of the year that other than signing the checks and spending the money, <laughs> there is nothing else in the office that we do and a service that we provide that there is not somebody besides me that can do that. So it, it is it is enough different things in our office. I don't expect every tax preparer to be a payroll and accounting expert. So it's not everybody learns everything, but identifying the people that have the skill set, the desire the background to be able to take over different things. And and I had to laugh because one of the first things I, I take that back. It's not one of the first things because Stephen has taken the most. One of the recent things that I thought ne- that I would never have somebody else do is a public speaking engagement for Saunders. I've always done those. I very much like training, talking about taxes, teaching people, but I ended up with a conflict and needed to have somebody else do a 20 minute presentation and I had the staff that could do it and did a lovely job. I heard good reports back and I'm going like, oh, we're going to keep on doing this. And so we've already gotten the next couple of things scheduled for them to do. And it doesn't have to be Bev that is the only face of the company. And I'm really liking that. I'm really liking that. Nice. I was going to ask that. How difficult has it been or or maybe how, <laughs> how much relief do you feel in being <laughs> you know, able to hand off some tasks? So it's the first thing, because I think I missed on all of these things. At one point, I said, I will always be the person that does this. And that it's kind of scary that first time to hand it off. And they might not do it exactly as I have done it. And I've learned if they get it as 80% of the way there, Mm -hmm. that that is good. Because they can learn and grow and make it their own. People don't have to speak like me. Everybody has their own speaking style. might be one of those things. Now, you got to do the tax return, right? There's one way to do that. (laughs) But but there's other things that you can get a little bit of flexibility in. And so it's really been great to see the the staff uh, develop into something else. So that's been lovely to watch them as individuals. Nice. It's And it, again, that goes right back to the people around you, right? That mm-hmm. you can trust them. And it might be difficult because, again, you, if, especially if you're particular about how you like things to be done, that can be the hardest thing in the world to hand somebody hand something off to someone. So so credit to you for mm-hmm. for trusting them because that's something a lot of, of, lot of business leaders really struggle with because it's just, it's always been this way and I've always done this. And if I hand it off, then who knows what's going to happen, but... Um, it is kind of like that jump you have to take if you want to continue to grow and and to be successful. So. And, and and I think I've always heard everybody that has ever made that jump are is so glad that they did and wish they had done it sooner and now don't want to touch that area anymore. You you guys do that. I'm I, I'm not doing that anymore. That's yours now. You guys take it and run with it. And it's a it's amazing too when you get an ch- opportunity to see somebody that you've developed take something and do it better than than what you were even able to do. Mm -hmm. And like, that's such a cool thing when it happens. But it also involves systematizing things. Cause I Mm -hmm. think for so long, especially Bev, but all our three of our senior managers, Bev, Kathy and Tanja have just been doing their jobs for so long that there were things that were just innate to them. Um, And so one of the big benefits of knowing we're heading off is, all right, so what are we actually doing? So now there's a checklist for that. There's a process, there's a review, like this is how it needs to get done even down to public speaking. What do I need to have with me, take with me, have prepared, sit down with Bev, go over the talking points beforehand, mm-hmm. but getting all that documented so you can replicate it outside of the yep. one person that's been doing it over and over again. 
Exactly. And that touches on, I think, that the fine line that any leader in that position has to walk between training somebody to do something the way that it needs to be done with the checklist, but also giving them that freedom to do it in their own style that may not be your exact way. And I think sometimes as a leader, it's so hard to look at something and be like, do I not love this because it's not exactly how I would have done it, but it's still done well? Or do I not love this because there is some actual feedback that I need to give here? Um, and that's sometimes a fine, a difficult line to walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, th- and that's been one of the things in, in our business, again, well-established, been around 40 years. We we have things very systematized in a lot of the areas. Some things aren't systematized yet. Some of them are just still in Beth's brain. Uh, we need to get that out. <laughs> but, but Stephen coming on now has... Gently, and, and I think good, he, he, he learned the business a bit, and he started questioning, well, why do we do it that way? Why is it done that way? Could it be done another way? And, and sometimes you will get in that rut, well, we've, we've done it this way, and sometimes there's good reasons. We've done it this way because we discovered if we don't do this, this is where this could happen. So here's where our problems are at. But Stephen has really given us that looking at everything with a new set of eyes, and can this be done another way? And so looking at those and making those changes as you go. And so developing things like um, our customer management system is called Atom, Automated Tax Office Management. And it has the ability to, um, within that one system, to email and text message to clients back and forth. So it it is amazing the difference that we learned probably about two or three years ago. If I text somebody that I have a question about your tax return, I get a very quick response. Whereas if I call and they don't answer and I leave a message, it's a while till you get that response. Mm -hmm. So just learning some of those things by and using some technology stuff to do that we love when people leverage technology yeah. to, to, to its greatest extent uh steven do you want to talk a little bit about um that transition when you do take on those responsibilities because i would imagine even with so many processes there and you know as smooth a handoff as you can have there is some pressure in having to take those things on that are that are new yeah there's, there's definitely pressure to take, having to take them on and there's some pressure to do it the same way or to get the exact same result. Um, so a big example is this year, we introduced a new staff position that we had never done before. We called him an uh, operations associate. So forever, our taxpayers are doing everything. They would sort all the documents, they'd scan all the documents, they'd manually enter all the documents. So about three years ago, we introduced a OCR scanning system to fill in some of the te- blanks of the tax return. Slowly tried it out and we found out it was beneficial for us. But the taxpayers were still scanning everything. and their knowledge is their skill set. It's not their administrative ability. Um, and so we, this year, wanted to have the same result. Quality tax return for a client turned around as quickly as we could do it. And we were realizing they weren't as quick as we could be doing it, but we weren't quite sure how to get there yet. Um, and so we brought in these new positions and they really did free up a lot of time for our taxpayers. They would take the first half of what that preparer was doing, which was all that data entry, basic question answering, scanning, sorting, and they took care of that. And it now let our preparers focus on what they did best, which was apply tax knowledge, communicate to a client the reality of their tax situation, and then finalize the product with them. And so just things like that of, it was, I won't say scary for me to suggest. I didn't know how well it would go over with the leadership when I was suggesting bringing in a new role and hiring new people. And I won't say it was all smooth, but it actually functioned very well during the tax season. And yes, we found places we need to optimize and change up. But that's kind of how the process has gone in most ways. Now, there have been things we've tried that haven't worked out, and that's also okay because 
Thankfully, none of the major disasters have cost us too much money. <laughs> right. um, but we are willing and was. I'm very grateful that even preparers like Tanja has been there 18 years. I think Kathy's been there 19 years. Bev's been there even longer. Are willing to try new things. They're they're willing to be open to it as long as there's a reason for it. We never want to do change just for change's sake. Um, yeah. yeah, I like flashy new AI things, but we're not going to throw Chat GPT at all of our staff for having <laughs> drum up all their conversation with clients or have it used to do the tax return. But if something really will make us better at the services we provide to our clients, we really want to embrace that. Can you take us inside the room a little bit when you are maybe pushing a new idea or an, or a new process and maybe how that conflict goes back and forth. Can, and... can I set the stage for that? Go ahead, <laughs> okay, please. So, so managers meeting in our small conference room, there are the three other managers, females, everybody's over 60, grandmothers, and then there's Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and please keep in mind, one of these people was my mother, one is my aunt, and one has been working with my mother for 18 years. So there's a lot of just other things going on. And so normally yeah. it starts with questions. And I, I very rarely at one time, try and drop everything. But normally it's why are we doing something and trying to figure out what the end result is. And once I kind of get there and with my little bit better facility with the technology that we have, is there something else we could be doing, some other way we could be leveraging that? And then once I kind of come up with that plan, I then say, here's what I think we can do. And then they will poke holes in it. And sometimes those holes are great because sometimes it's, oh, you know, we may never have to talk to a client in person again. We can email and text everything. And then they are like, but wait, they value the relationship with us mm -hmm. and we don't want to sacrifice that. And mm -hmm. so it was a struggle for me at first really to, I won't say value their opinions because I do respect all three of them, but to get past just thinking of the most efficient thing and doing the best thing. Because I think right. those are two different lanes of, yes, we could never talk to a client, have them scan every document, never come into the office. And we would lose all those clients that value the fact that they feel like they trust us. They feel like they know us. They're trusting us with their financial information. They want to have a sense of us. Um, and so they really have helped me. Have, how can we use the technology, push back questions of how do we still provide the same quality of service? And then sometimes the questions are, how does that work? And then having to explain the technology piece, having to walk through that. Um, and it's normally more than one conversation, I think. I think yeah. you often get introduced first at the manager's meeting, um, discussed. I won't say tabled because I'll continue working on it, but it'll, as we get a more polished, finished idea, bringing it back again for another discussion. Like it, it rarely is a one and done process. Like that new operations assistant, that was probably three or four months of work to get that role defined and laid out and ready to go. So you feel like they were critical, but but as they should have been, mm -hmm. but also they, they were receptive, right? Yeah, I mean, that's been the great thing is there's never been just a no, we're not going to change. It, a hesitancy to change because that's human and that's natural. Oh yeah, and they know their system. They knew. I mean, Sonos worked well for forty years. I'm not someone coming in trying to save a dying company or trying to recover a broken product. We're trying to make it better. And so, how do we do that? And how do we recognize the new realities of the world of? I came in during a pandemic, so all that stuff. But hiring is just harder now than it has been in decades. And so, how do we recognize that we may not have enough trained staff that have to go through this ten week class to become a tax preparer? Can we bring someone in? We don't have to train as long and things along those lines. And so, yeah. And you figure, you know, you were given a seat at that table. So, you know, you should be, they should be able to hear you out. Yeah. And um, there, there are people who struggle with that, who get a seat at the table and realize 
they don't really have a seat at the table. So that's good that they were receptive. And also, I think that you bring a different perspective, obviously, being I mean, we've, we've talked <laughs> the differences and, you know, generation and, and you know, gender and everything here. Um, you're, you're just bringing and, you know, you lived in Hawaii for several years. You were in a different space. You got out of this this Hagerstown bubble for a little bit. And, you know, you, you were bringing a very probably different maybe a little bit fresher perspective in, in some ways, but um, it's also good that they were there and they were ready to hear it, but also they're going, well, maybe that's not going to quite work here because this, this way with that we've been doing it is amazing. And we just want to keep that. So that's good that there was a good conversation there and um, you were able to work through things over the, you know, I mean, the course of a couple months, that's, that's nothing crazy. We've seen a lot, lot when you're when you're working through processes and things like that. I mean, it can take years to to solidify those type of things. So it's and, good that those discussions were able to happen. And we always say, you know, a healthy team should not be disagreeing all the time, but they also shouldn't be agreeing all the time. If if everybody's yes. agreeing, then there's probably somebody's not saying something, things are going left unsaid, and that's not good for the health of the business or the team. No, not at all. And I, I wanted to talk because you mentioned it briefly of going in this room and, you know, this is my mom and that's my aunt. And uh, do you want to talk about the family dynamic? Because it's not something you can just pretend doesn't exist here, right? I mean, there, it does add a certain level of of kind of workplace kind of go-between. Yeah, so, so it is interesting because I never refer to Bev as my mother in the office. I mean, especially never call her mom. Um, and I don't think I call my aunt aunt. I think it's all first names with both of them. Um, but I do, I mean, from partly from my side, I feel I can bring questions to them, especially because I have only been in the tax world like full time for three years. So there's broad gaps in my tax knowledge. So I feel I can bring questions to them that maybe I should know, but I don't. And I don't feel like I'm going to get called like, I mean, I don't think they would do this to any employee, but I just feel a little bit safer of asking those questions. Um, yeah. And I also think it provides a little bit of trust. Um, Bev's known me for 38 years now. And so one of the big benefits of her management team is she trusts them implicitly. Um, she doesn't worry about walking away from the business to go on vacation or for, because she has a health concern or she's sick or COVID lockdown or whatever it may be. She knows her accounting department is going to be well run. She knows her tax size is going to be well run. And she knows the office is going to function just fine. And so I think the family relationship lets her trust me with some of those other things she's handed off to me that may have taken more time to develop that trust than otherwise. I think sometimes it gives us a little bit of familiarity with each other that we may not, yeah. we may take advantage of, or we may read emotions into situations that aren't there, but that's just a relationship you manage and people misread people all the time, whether or not you're related. And so you just kind of figure that out. Um, it does make family gatherings often about work, which our spouses <laughs> don't love. Uh. Uh, it, it's not uncommon for every time Bev and I get together for at least something to come about work that we're discussing. And oh, so, yeah. I thought of this. Yeah. I don't know if you have any infrastructures on the family thing. Well, and, and just a little bit of perspective. There have been a lot of family members in the business uh, over the years. And I want to say during this last tax season, so my sister, Kathy, my brother, Terry, uh, my niece, Kelly, uh, my great nephew, um, Jared, Jared uh, uh, Chloe, great a, a niece. great niece. Did I miss any family members from this past year? That was all of them. Yeah. So we were very upfront about this because we do that gathering meeting at the very beginning. I'm going like, so I'm going to introduce the family people that are here because they all have different last names because we're females related. (laughs) Um, And and so I was pointing them out to you. I'm going like, but they're 
accountable as anybody else. So let's get over that. But I do know, especially when Stephen came in, because Stephen was coming in at a higher level. I mean, he really came in as my admin, but we knew he was going to be full time and the intention was for him to eventually take over the business. There is a little bit of distrust from some employees just with that. Oh, it's the owner's son coming in. So he's not going to pull his weight. We're going to have to cover for him, da, 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 et cetera. So it really did take Stephen that first year of working. And the ones that were concerned about that, because some of my employees will express their opinion to me in, in private. They're very good about that. Um, but getting to the point of, okay, he knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy. And then now he's earned their respect. I respect what he does and what he can do. He really does know his job now. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, that probably felt like a pretty big risk, to be honest, because there yeah. there can be uh, like obviously that stereotypical maybe distrust. You know, you don't want someone to just be handed something. They they do have to earn it, and rightfully so. I mean, he yeah. he, he would need to come in and earn it. But I would imagine it was was there a long thought process when bringing him in and and installing him at that that higher level. Well, truly part of the reason why when we first started talking about this and he was still in Hawaii, I'm like, well, first you need to decide whether you like working with numbers and taxes, go take a class and work, do some people's returns. So really making sure he was getting into something that was was within his will well and that he would have uh, some passion about to grow, to do the next thing, to see if it would fit with him. And then, yes, yeah, so he came in first as my admin assistant was his first duty, was learning what I do, helping me get my part done. First job he took over was my emails. He filtered all my emails for me. And <laughs> so, if you, you know, if you're just sending in an email, I need to get on Bev's schedule. I, I don't need to take that email. Somebody else can put them on the schedule, you know, that kind of thing. And so he would do that. So he really learned how I'm handling the business and, and he's really been growing. Uh, the, one of the biggest credentials in the tax world is a credential called an enrolled agent. Kathy Tanja, myself, Nancy are all enrolled agents, credential given by IRS after taking a test. Stephen has started that process of getting that credential. So he really will have the tax expertise to back up what he's saying and doing and understanding working with clients. Gotcha. Well, Stephen, I do see you brought a book with you. Would you like to tell us what book that is? Um, so the book <laughs> is Traction. It's by Gino Wickman. Um, and really, he lays out a massive plan on how to run your business. Um, called the EOS system, the oh, yeah. or entrepreneurial operating, operating system. system. Um, and it's something we have adapted, I won't say fully at Saunders, but we definitely use major pieces of it um, in, in our company. Really, for, like the biggest one we use is the level 10 meeting. Um, that's how we run our managers meeting. All the managers set rocks for their departments. Um, Bev sets rocks for the company. Um, so that's kind of yeah. what we're And all that was a bunch of jargon from the book. So we've probably done unpack <laughs> some of that. Well, and we've talked about EOS quite a bit on this show. Um, Innovative is also an EOS company. And that was actually part of, um, one, you guys are right down the street. Um, and, you know, the Leadership Washington County Connection, all of that made you great guests. But then when I heard that you guys are also EOS business, you were top of mind when we were thinking what other business leaders would be great to have join us because there's so much similarity. And I... I hear in everything that you're saying, I hear the themes of EOS, you know, mm -hmm. the accountability chart, making sure that you have leaders with clear areas of accountability. Delegate to elevate, I think, is one of the tools in my binder as well. <laughs> um, all of that stuff. So I think I think we've been talking about EOS quite a bit before we actually brought it up. Uh, it, it does naturally, when you truly are following it, it does naturally bleed into these business conversations. 
and our listeners should be pretty well versed in it by now. If they're not, <laughs> they, they're not listening close. They enough. can go back and listen to the past episodes. Yes, especially <laughs> especially those those first couple. We really dive into EOS and some of those definitions, like you said, to unpack. So I, I'm hoping they're all caught up to speed here. But yeah, I mean, we've talked so much about rocks and mm-hmm. just how how valuable those are. I, I am curious. So have you guys been self-implementing? Have you worked with a professional implementer at all? So that, yeah, EOS had gotten implemented in the business before Stephen came. So me with Kathy and Tanja, um, uh, we worked with a uh, EOS implementer, uh, Catherine Brown. Uh, she also is a business coach that I work with, uh, with a group of other business owners. So Catherine has been in my life a good bit, but she uh, took three days with me and Kathy and Tanja, and we started implementing and going through all of that. And that process, and and, and I, I kind of gloss over that sometimes, but I will tell you, there were tears and emotions during those three days that mm-hmm. we were trying to get to doing this. And 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 because sometimes we hadn't looked at the business that deeply, and and uh, Tanja and Kathy, uh, especially, would say, "Beth, just tell us what you want us to do. I, you know, we'll do it." I'm like, "No, I want you to help me decide what we need to be doing. I need your input and evaluation on this." Uh, so it it really was a little bit of a struggle at the beginning, and making sure we were getting emotions out of the way. So it took a little bit to do. Uh, but then, yeah, we've really been working by this. Uh, it, uh, just as we were talking about coming and doing this podcast and talking a little bit about it, I'm going like, it's probably about time for us to update some of those mm. three and five year, 10 year plans <laughs> in our system too. That I might need to reach out to Catherine again to go through a session to refresh that type of thing. Cause you do need to every so often you get busy in the day-to-day work and doing it. And, and our manager's meeting is that uh, level 10 meeting mm-hmm. doing that, um, which has really been helpful because everybody is looking at what they need to be doing and reporting and accountable and and selecting their numbers, their scorecard to do. Um, and each manager selects the court scorecard numbers for their side, what will get them to see how things are moving. So it's it's been an interesting process. I think the fact that they were emotional about some aspects of it is probably a good thing, yes. right? Because that shows they care, that they're invested. Um, obviously, you don't want those emotions to to bleed too far into the decision making process. Mm-hmm. But as you're kind of sort of starting to to look a little deeper into your business, it is probably good to to feel something for what you see because that means you care enough to maybe go in and improve certain aspects of it. They do. I I have absolutely no doubt about the commitment and dedication of of my core staff of folks and what they will do. We we've actually just recently. Um, been working with a, a, another coach and working on disc assessments and emotional intelligence and how we communicate with each other. And so that was kind of an emotional piece as they each met one-on-one a couple times with this coach also and realized they needed to, for, for some, we have some that are very soft-spoken. If you think of the typical accountant tax kind of person, they're not the relational person. They want to deal with numbers and details. <laughs> so, so we had a lot of S's in our, in our group. And for some of them to be able to speak up and say what they need or uh, maybe a better way we could be communicating with them how they like to hear something. And so it was really eye-opening for me to see that about each of my my members. So I, I learned a lot out of that process. That was good. Well, that can be hard for somebody, even if they're in a a workplace they feel comfortable and they work with people they trust and they like, that can still be hard to to speak up and voice your opinion, especially if it's maybe not the most popular one in the room. So to be able to have, like you mentioned the L10 meetings, I mean, that, that is a great platform to, to bring what you feel is important and really hash it out, whether it's, it could be something good or bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, usually you would do work through the issues, but 
to to give that platform and to just say, hey, you are welcome to to bring your issues here and we can have a nice open conversation about it. You're not going to be judged for for what you might feel. So I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that um, right off the top. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about what those those L10 meetings have brought to your business? Well, it's it's really helped us to stay focused uh, because we really uh, reset these every quarter. And for us with our uh, our type of business, we really have that seasonality of this because you got that tax season that's January to April. Sorry, it's a little bit more than a quarter. Uh, but, but what we do and what we're focused on during that time, and even the hours that were open, because we're 9 to 9, Monday through Friday, Saturday 9 to 3 during that time, and it's all in 60, 70, 80 hours a week for some of us, that, that it's a really different time. And then when that comes goes is finished, we are 9 to 5, Monday through Thursday, four days a week. And so things kind relieved but but that's got to be a building time for the next season and whatever other additional growth so every quarter setting those goals the rocks that we have for what we need to be doing and and what we need to measure on the scorecard that we're um, have that is improving but measure on the scorecard especially during for example tax season of the process that always has worked 40 years working of going through a tax season and getting returns done what are those key numbers to make sure that's flowing, that it hasn't gotten off the wheel in any way? Are, are we producing? Are we getting them out and, and, and having the rhythm and not having a backlog? So, you know, things like that to track. Uh, but then giving a time to be able to talk about what issues we see coming up or has developed what has happened in the past week. And but having a set time to do it. So occasionally there are things that you need to address right away. Okay, yes. But a lot of things can be addressed at that meeting and you don't need to feel like there's a constant. I, I don't want my managers to feel like every time they see Bev coming towards there, that means there's a problem that's coming into that problem. <laughs> that, that used to be the way it was. Oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, my managers would be very open to that. <laughs> You've come over onto my side of the business too many times today. <laughs> just, just stop, just stop. Yeah, so that has allowed us to control that. Well, I think one of the great things about that meeting is we really are a small office. I mean, 12 people year round, 25 during the tax season. Um, and especially during the tax season, all three of the managers other than Bev are the manager on duty at a certain point in time on the tax side. So it allows all three of us to be on the same page. So this is a place where we've been noticing this problem. Here's how we're going to address it. And we have a consistent message about it going out. Or we're changing this process. Here's how we're changing it. And we all know and we're all on the same page to do that. Um, but even during the off season, um, one of our managers only works three days a week. And there were four. So let's me know what her staff should be doing that other day so I can give feedback, help out, support. It lets our let us, us know what our accounting team needs from us or what we need from them because while they're we are fairly siloed, everyone supports one another in the office. I can't do a tax return until the accounting team gets the books done and gets it over to me. And so it lets us really all remain on the same page and be giving that feedback um, because we are also interdependent. We really don't operate separately in any way. And I would imagine, I mean, some of the stuff we were talking about, about you being the newest member of the, of the team and all the other dynamics and those... Um, ideas and solutions to problems that you're bringing to the table, the L10 meeting just gives you that natural prioritization of if this is something that we're talking about in an L10, then we've determined it's one of the top biggest issues in the company that we need to solve. And if you're bringing an idea that could solve that, then it just kind of naturally lends itself to a, okay, well, if it's not this idea, then what? Because this is still a problem that we've all agreed and identified that we need to solve. So it just makes it I feel like, uh, uh, you know, I've also recently been the, the newest seat at the table in a leadership team that's going through these EOS processes. And it 
it levels the playing field a little mm-hmm. bit sometimes when you know that it doesn't matter who's bringing the issue or the solution to the table. If we've all agreed that it's at the top of the L10 list, then we all know it's something we have to talk about. Yeah, and I feel like because just the, the formatting of it and because people know what the meeting is meant to be, then that allows them to open up a little bit more about what they're feeling or what they think a solution could be. Because I think in a in your maybe old-fashioned standard meeting, everyone sits down and you know, you might have the the manager or the the CEO, whoever it might be at the head of the table, and they're just kind of sitting and talking through a, a list of bullet points. And, you know, everyone just sits there and might be checking their watch a few times. Whereas these L10 meetings are are very much collaborative by design. And so there's really nobody gets left out, no matter the issue. I mean, anybody's welcome to chime in. I've mentioned before on this podcast that you know, I, I don't come from a tech background. I come from a communications background. So there's a lot of conversations in these meetings that are very new to me. I'm always learning about because, you know, we're a tech company. And so I'm always <laughs> learning about these solutions and these these issues that we're dealing with. But so much what we do is dealing with people because that's I mean, we're passionate about people. And so, you know, I'm a person I can lend some I can lend <laughs> some ideas or some 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 things to that. And if I'm off base or if I'm wrong, I'm, you know, perfectly good with someone just saying, hey, maybe, you know, Maybe we do it this way instead. Totally cool with that. It's just the meeting allows all that open conversation, which I value, but I, everyone else here really values it. You can tell it's ever since we switched to that L10 format right after I came on pretty much, um, you could just feel the change in the meeting. We get to that IDS section. Everyone really, you, you kind of feel everyone sit up in their seat a little bit. Everyone locks in. We get through the kind of weekly stuff and it's like, all right, here's, here's the issues this week. What, what are we trying to, what are we trying to talk through? So. And I think it was very, um, so one of my first jobs was Bev's admins. I wasn't a manager. And our L10 meetings are managers meeting. But Bev was very intentional from the beginning of partly to get something off her plate because she didn't want to run the meeting anymore. But I think more so so that I would have a space to hear those conversations and learn without being expected to engage in them in the same way. I was given the EOS stuff and told to run the meeting. And so I would put the, <laughs> and I still do, I put the agenda together. I chair the meeting, walk us through it, do all of those things. But it wasn't long that I was able to feel like I could start asking questions, could start speaking up. And then hopefully after some more, I believe I gave it a decent amount of time to learn, could start adding feedback in even before maybe I actually had the title of operations manager, I was able to start seeing some things or suggesting some things. And I think really it is the format of that meeting that made that possible. Because if it was just, I attended a ton of meetings in the hospital and you're just sitting there, some sweet person talks at you for 45 minutes, Maybe another department director gets up and then you're done. And you didn't really have any chance to provide feedback or be part of a conversation or for ideas really to be solicited or solutions came up with. So, One of the shifts that I know that I saw that L10s had in in this business, you know, at the leadership level, we were having L10s for a while. But when when we kind of trickled it down to the staff, a lot of the business that had been happening in like one-to-one meetings between one employee and a manager we realized how much our managers were repeating themselves because they were having the same conversation and everyone's one-to-one. And then we went to this L10 model and suddenly our teams are solving their own problems collaboratively. And it is insane to sit here and I feel crazy saying it took EOS (laughs) to force us to have that epiphany. Um, But it's just natural. You think, oh, I should be meeting one-on-one with all of my employees. But when you give them that forum to all collaborate and talk and solve their own problems like just talk about team health all the time the team health skyrockets and then 
you get to see the power and what people can do. And um, it was just, it's really cool to see that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to ask you, Bev, if somebody is looking to get into starting their own business or owning a business, is there, and I'm sure there's a million things that might come <laughs> to mind, just a, any piece of advice you would give that person um, stepping into that leadership position? Um, don't take advice from Uncle Joe. So, so the biggest problem I have is uh, new business owners that listen to somebody who's not in business and started setting things up for themselves. Mm. So really start with looking at business owners, other businesses, books like Traction, and see how it's going to fit in your business. Now, I work with a lot of clients that they are their only employee in the business. And so there's a little different bit of a different feel. But getting some good foundations with goals, what you're going to do, and knowing how to measure things, a good accounting system, understanding your um, entity structure for tax purposes, but knowing that. So having those advisors and talking to other people, keep it simple, but give it a good foundation. So make sure there's there's expertise involved with decision yes. making. That's yeah. that's never a bad idea. And that's why we have people like you on. Just thank you both for coming on. This has been really great. Thank you very much for thank having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you tune in next time, a couple weeks from now on the Innovative Leadership Podcast. We'll be back again. You know, we always have these awesome guests having uh, these fun conversations. So thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.